Good morning, Journey. Good to be with you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21. Let's read this together. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, maybe to us, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds pretty good, right? But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. As Brian mentioned, we're going to talk about money this morning. And if that's going to make you uncomfortable, great. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you tuned in. This sermon is for you. I sometimes give this clause. No nudging here, okay? There's a no nudging clause this morning. I want you to do some deep reflection on you. Because I want to start by asking this question, a guiding question. How much is enough? How much is enough? Like, is, is this enough? One dollar bill, okay? Is that enough or is... Or is this enough? How much is enough? John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest men of his time, was asked this question. How much is enough? And you know what he said? Just a little more. How much is enough for you? Do you you have a number in your head? If I just get this much money in my account before I retire, then I can retire, eat, drink, and be Mary, what's your number? What's your number that you want to make next year? You've got this number in mind. What's your number if you're just starting out and you're like, if I could just make this amount of money, my life would be perfect. How much is enough? I'm going to let Ben stare at you all morning long. You're lucky if you're at home because you don't, don't get to see it that much. But they get to stare at this all morning Here's how I want to set up this conversation. I want, to, I want to right turn with me. I need you to stay with me, okay? I want to talk about two critters that are not my favorite critters in the world, okay? A snakes and bats, right? You saw this coming. I know, okay? I want to talk about snakes and I want to talk about bats. So, so snakes. So this past summer, we were on a, a men's retreat called Forged and there was a bunch of guys up there talking what does it mean to be a man who's forged like 
a man after God's own heart, iron sharpening iron with other men. And during that time together, there was a gentleman from Texas and he was talking to us about hog hunting. And we were like, this sounds awesome. And he was telling us about hog hunting and how we're gonna go out and maybe hunt these hogs and they need us to clear the land because they're doing all all these problems to the land. They're messing up the land so bad. And so maybe we could come down. And then at the end of it, he's like, all you need to bring is just, you know, your clothes, some hunting gear, some heavy, some heavy pants, and then you need some, some snake gators in case snakes try to bite you. And I'm like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm, I'm out, right? I don't like snakes. I don't know about you, but I, I do not like snakes. They crawl around. They're like slimy, but not slimy. Like they get a really bad reputation in the Bible. I don't know if you read that thing about the, the tree and the snake and hey, Adam and Eve, should you eat from this tree, right? Like snakes are bad. I don't like snakes. And then you know what else I don't like? I don't like bats. So, so we, I know bats are good. Some of you are like, I, I love bats. Good for you. Good for you. Great. Okay. Right. All right. So, so bats, yes, they do some great things. They, they eat the insects for us. But right around our house, actually, uh, we have a lot of bats. One of our neighbors actually has a bat house, right? It's not like Batman. Don't, it's, it's like this little thing on a, on a, like on a stick, and then they, they fly in there, and they hide in there, and then at night they come and eat all your insects, which is all great and well, until they outgrow the bat box, and they start hanging around your house. So we have this very like two-story brick house, and it has this overhang as you come in. And for the longest time, I thought we had a a little bit of a mouse problem because I see these little droppings all over the place. And I'm like, man, it's weird. How do why are there just droppings right by? And then and then one night I'm like, oh no. These droppings are coming from the sky. So, So over the course, I'm not kidding you guys, over the course of a couple years, we've had some bat incidents in the Vanep's house. One night, Lori says, there's something in the house, Brian. There's, I, I can hear something. There's something in the house. I'm like, babe, you're just, you're just worried about it. You're Enneagram six. You're just fearful of everything. That's just how it works. Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine. Like two, three in the morning, I get up and I hear something. I'm like, oh no, maybe she was right. I go into the bathroom and I see that the shampoo bottle has tipped over and is laying on top of something that's scratching for its life, trying to get out from under the shampoo bottle. And what is it? It's a bat. So I very calmly walk back into the room and I just say to Lori, and Ava was actually laying there next to Lori, and I just say to both of them, don't be concerned, but there's a bat in our bathroom. And then I close the doors <laughs> and, and I had to take care of some things. So I don't like, how many of you don't like bats? Just show me. You don't like bats online. Let me know. You don't like bats. How many of you don't like snakes? Okay. Don't like snake. Okay. Now imagine this. What if a snake and a bat had a giant baby? It's terrifying, right? It's terrifying to think about. We actually have a name for that. It's called a dragon. It's called the dragon. Some of you beat me to the punch on that. One of my favorite young adult children's books is called The Hobbit. And in the book, The Hobbit, there is this tale of Bilbo Baggins. This little hobbit, this unassuming hobbit who never had an adventure in his life, but he was, 
he was invited into an adventure by this wise wizard Gandalf. And in this tale of mischief and mayhem and adventure, one of the central characters in the book, The Hobbit, is someone named Smog. Now, even as I say that name, Smog, you can tell that this is not the hero of the story. It's actually one of the great villains of the story, and Smog is a dragon. And as the story is unfolding, we find out that Smog lives in a giant mountain, and inside of that giant mountain, Smog has unbelievable treasure. Treasure and treasure and treasure in a huge pile that he sleeps in, he sleeps around, he protects and he hangs on to every single night. And the adventure takes them to the cave in the mountain of smog and and Bilbo Baggins sneaks into the cave and takes one little cup and smog knows that someone has stolen some of his treasure. How much is enough? There's a dragon inside of you. There is a dragon inside of me. So what do we do with that dragon? One of, one of the folks that I've been reading and listening to in the past couple of years, Jordan B. Peterson, he, he circles around this idea that there's dragons in our lives and how do we deal with these dragons? And I want to deal with the dragon of greed this morning. The dragon of greed this morning. See, here's the problem. We are the rich fool. In this story, we are the rich fool. We don't want to admit it. We don't think that that's true. We live in a culture of comparison and we spent a lot of time thinking about what we don't have. And and I bet you can say, oh, that person has more money than me, so they must be more foolish than me. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about this morning. You and I, we are the rich fool. We have a dragon inside of us, a greedy dragon who knows when we've lost just a bit of treasure and what do we do with that? By the way, this isn't a rich versus a poor thing this morning. Like This isn't a rich versus a poor thing this morning because I've been around plenty of rich people and all they have, just they're so poor, all they have is money. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like wealthy people who are so poor, all they have is money. And I've been around poor people who all they have is worry about getting more money. You know what I'm saying? This is, we're going to talk about motives this morning. We're going to talk about what are you pursuing this morning. Nobody can tell you better about that than you. So I need you to be really honest about the dragon inside of you this morning. I need you to admit before we go any further, yes, I am the rich fool. I'll go first. I am the rich fool. You're going to see this throughout illustrations throughout this morning. I am the rich fool, but I need you to do some deep work this morning with me. We live in a culture that celebrates, that celebrates being greedy. We, sell, we have statements like this. That dude's a real what? Go getter, right? What does that mean? He's driven. It means he's a shrewd businessman. It means he goes and he makes things happen. We celebrate this. By the way, I'm not, I'm not advocating for laziness this morning. So don't send me that email. I'm not advocating 
for laziness this morning, but we celebrate this in our culture and we need to take a deeper look at the motives underneath this, the, the pursuits underneath this. Why are we a go-getter? And so I wanna ask us a couple reflective questions as we stare at this parable of this rich fool who builds bigger and bigger barns only to come to his demise. Here's the two reflective questions. If you're still wrestling with the question, am I actually the rich fool? This is gonna help you. Two reflective questions. Number one, how big is my barn? How big are my barns? How big are my barns? I think this is a really interesting question for us to ask. Some of you remember this. I've asked you this question before. It was a couple years ago, and so we're actually, we're actually coming back to this same passage, this same story, and I thought, I'm gonna ask at least one question that's exactly the same, because I wanna do a sort of a checkup with us. How big are your barns? Some of you, this will click. You'll remember this story. When I first told this question, when I first asked this question, I told the story about building a shed. Do you remember this? Some of you are like, I remember this, right? Like, I live here in Bozeman. I got lots of stuff. I got lots of gear. And I have a garage, but I don't park anything in that, right? That's for my gear. That's for my stuff. And I have so much stuff that at that time I was building a shed to put more stuff in. How many of you have sheds? How many of you can't park in your garage? Okay, right? So we're not, I'm not alone, okay? And I'm happy to tell you the problem has gotten worse, people, okay? In some ways, it's gotten better. In some ways, truly, it's gotten better. But, but honestly, uh, let, me, let me tell you a little story. 2020 came around, and I was like, man, I want to buy a raft. And I got that raft, and I saved up and, and I did some side hustling and I finally got that raft all ready. And I was like, this is going to be for my family. We're going to have so much fun, which by the way, we do. But, but when I got that raft, I thought that raft, I'm not going to let that sit outside. That raft is going to go inside the garage. And so now I have a raft inside the garage. I have a car that's not mine inside the garage, my wife's car. And my truck, my poor truck has to sit outside all day long because I, I, I got to get a raft in somewhere. How big are your barns? How big are your barns? Let me, let me pose it differently. Maybe it's not just stuff for you. Maybe it is your finances, right? It is the almighty dollar for you. How big are your barns? I mean, many of you are preparing for or in the middle of retirement. How big do those barns need to be? How much money do you need to have? I think it's a really honest and hard question for us to ask. And it's not the number that is that important. It's the motive. It's what's driving it. It's what you put your weight and your pursuit into. It's what you put your trust into, your belief into. If I just have this much money, then it's going to be all right. How big are your barns? Let me speak to the next generation. See, I don't think the next generation is going to care about mortgages that much. I might be wrong on this. But it doesn't seem like the next generation cares that much about the American dream and owning a home. I think they're, they're plenty happy uh, to own smaller places, it seems like, and to rent a lot. So if you're somebody who has rental properties, good for you. You're getting bigger barns. Um, seriously, I'm predicting this. And honestly, here's why. I think the next generation has a higher pursuit of experience. 
And so maybe you're in the room and you're a younger person. You're like, well, I'm not one of those people that chases money. I'm not a boomer. Those boomers, <laughs> those boomers who's chased money their whole life, worked their life away. How many trips are enough? Ooh, too much, too much. You and your fancy van that costs $100,000 that you live out of, you slumming out of the van down by the river. Like when Chris Farley was talking about a van by the river, he was not talking about that van down by the river, okay? <laughs> Granite countertops and, right? How many experiences are enough? How much travel is enough? How much sightseeing is enough? How many experiences are enough? How big are your barns? We live in a culture that is obsessed with barns. What can I store up for myself? How can I create more margins so that I can actually create more stuff for myself? Money, stuff, experiences, fill in the blank. What is that dragon inside of you that's driving you for more and more and more? How big are your Barnes, it's about this desire, this greed for more that drives us. Let's keep asking. Second question. This will help us reflect a little on if we're the rich fool more. Who's benefiting from my crop? Right? The first question is all about how many, how many barns do you have? This, this, this farmer, he has a huge crop, a bumper crop, so he builds more barns. But then the second question would be for that farmer and for us would be, hey, who's benefiting from my crop? Because that farmer says, I'm going to build bigger barns. He's going to build bigger barns and he's going to store all that grain so that he can take care of himself and eat, drink, and be merry. Do you understand that no one else is benefiting from his crop in this story? No one else is benefiting from this rich fool's crop in this moment. So the question for us, who is benefiting from my crop? We talk a lot around here about time, talent, and treasure. Time, talent, and treasure. And the question would be, what are you doing with that? What are you doing with that? Who's benefiting from the use of your time, your talent, and your treasure? I'm going to go first. I'm going to keep going first. I think most of it benefits me. Okay? L let me give you one example. So Lori, yesterday, two days ago, it was this week, she was like, I'm looking at some Chaco sandals. Great. Awesome. Love Chacos. I was like, by the way, babe, I was looking at Chacos too. It's crazy. It's like Google somehow knows that we're looking for Chacos, right? And so we're looking at Chacos, which seems like this interesting little thing, but we're looking at Chacos together. And what about this Chaco? And what about this Chaco? And then, and then Amazon has all these suggestions about more Chacos. And then I, I go on my Facebook and I scroll one time and I'm like, Chacos. And then I go on Instagram and I scroll one time and I'm like, Chacos. And I'm like, how do they know? See, Chacos don't benefit you. They benefit me. But they do benefit someone else. You know who? The seller of Chacos. In America right now, the marketing and advertising space, this is actually a 2020 study, 
was over $100 billion are spent on marketing and advertisement in America in 2020 to help you buy stuff for you to make you happy because you aren't very happy without those chacos. $100 billion spent to tell you what you should buy. Spent to understand the algorithms of Google and of Instagram and of Facebook and of Twitter. All of these algorithms sharing information about who you are. And you're like, I, I, I was always scared they were listening. They are, okay? Like they didn't need to implant a chip in you. You have this thing, it's called a cell phone. It follows you everywhere you go and you voluntarily paid $1,000 for it. How about that? And the driver is about feeding the dragon, right? There's this Netflix special called The Social Dilemma. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's gonna terrify you, and it's also true. It's all about feeding the dragon. It's all about how advertising and marketing are this massive market. By the way, uh, they, in the study I was reading, the estimation is that by 2030, we're not that far off of that, that it won't be $100 billion, it'll be $300 billion spent in advertising and marketing to get you buy, to buy stuff for you that you think you want, but you definitely can't live without. Who's benefiting from your crop? Let me ask it this way. Are you selfish or are you selfless? Are you selfish or are you selfless? This past week, I got to spend some time with Lance Witt. Lance, I've mentioned him lots of times before. Um, he helped me uh, work through a life plan this past year, uh, has been doing some business coaching for my new company, Legacy Guides, where uh, I help guys walk through life plan with uh, adventure. And, and so one of the things that we talk about often with him is, hey, how do we help people with their finances? And, and how do we help people um, figure out how to, how to give their life away? How to, how, to, how to be more generous, how to be more um, giving. And one of the things that uh, Lance often asks is, how can I add value to someone else's life? Like Lance just came out for a couple days and all he did was add value upon value upon value to my life. Lance, um, he's just a giver. And he just wakes up considering how can I add value to another person? You know who these people are. What was really fun is I was showing Lance around and we went up to Big Sky and we came around this corner and I saw another guy that I talk about often, Alan Johnson. He's one of my longtime mentors, really, really high up the chain in Wells Fargo. Um, and I spent so much time with Alan when I was in Big Sky. He mentored me and we had coffee basically every single week up there and Alan would constantly ask me this question How can I add value to your life? These two men modeled for me uh, what that means. And what was really fun is I'm showing Lance around and we roll around the corner and Alan Johnson and Becky Johnson are walking down the street. And I'm like, I just stop in the middle of traffic because this is how I am. I'm that guy, okay? You're the honk at me. That's fine. I don't care. I roll down the window. I'm like, Alan Johnson, I need to introduce you to Lance. You're like the best two people left on earth, okay? And they had this cool little exchange, and I just thought, man, these guys, and by the way, their wives, Becky and Connie, 
They have learned to give their life away. They've learned that life is better when you are focused on the other, when you are focused on how can others benefit from my crop? How how can I help other people have a great crop because of the crop that I have been given as well instead of the rich fool, right? He just, all he cares about is this crop can benefit me. But the question is like, who is your crop benefiting? Is it just benefiting you? Because if it is, that is nothing like Jesus. That smells nothing like Jesus. Your crop is a gift for you to use to benefit others. And so here's a question. What do we do with what we've been given? What do we do with what we've been given? Uh, This is a central theme throughout the scriptures, a central theme throughout Jesus' teaching. As uh, Brian Preby said, this is one of the number one things Jesus talked about in the New Testament. He talked about money. Well, why? Because he knew the dragon inside of us. He talked about stuff. Why? Because he knew the dragon inside of us. So what do we do with what we've been given? Uh, There was a movie that came out a long time ago called Schindler's List based uh, upon uh, a man, last name of Schindler, who uh, helped uh, pay for the freedom of many Jews during uh, the Holocaust and during World War II. And it's this really awful and beautiful movie. Um, and the central hub of it is, is about this, this man who, who uses what he has to free other people. And there's this poignant scene if you've ever seen the movie this poignant scene toward the end it's like the end of the war and and everything's starting to like crumble and 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 things are actually starting to right themselves and, and he's standing outside these railroad tracks outside of his car and he just has this conversation with himself where he takes out this pen and he just says with this pen with this pen i could have freed five more with this with this watch with this watch i could have freed 10 more with this car. With this car, I could have freed a hundred more. What are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you've been given? I would recommend this instead of being a go getter, be a go giver. Somebody from this church uh, recommended, a couple of you actually, recommended a book to me called The Go-Giver. I highly recommend it. It's super short. You can read it in one sitting. And it just has all to do with, it's actually a little business book, but it has all to do with how do you add value to other people's lives? How do you, how do you leverage everything that you have for everyone around you? How do you do that? How do you tangibly make people's lives better because you have considered deeply, what do I do with what I've been given? Another man that I stand on the shoulders of, Tom Jurgens, he always asked this question. He always would say, this isn't a $100 bill. This is a hundred units to build the kingdom of God. It's not a hundred dollars. It's a hundred opportunities to build the kingdom of God. What am I doing with what I've been given. And beyond that, and beyond that, how do we slay the dragon? How do we slay the dragon? 
because ultimately this is, this is about money, but it's not about money, you guys. I'm not gonna give you a free pass and say this isn't about money. It is about money, but it's about more than money. It's about that dragon inside of you. And what is the antidote to this foolishness? What is the, what is the antidote? What can slay the dragon? Here's the antidote to foolishness. It's generosity. Generosity is the antidote to foolishness. Let's go back to the bat and the snake, okay? They had a baby named Smog, all right? And Smog is protecting his treasure, right? He's protecting his treasure. And later in the story of the hobbit, Smog goes on a rampage. And he comes out of the mountain. He is set on destroying humanity, destroying the world around him. And yet the hobbit somehow notices something about Smog. He notices that there, there is a weakness in his scales, a weakness in his armor. And that weakness happens to be right in the place where his heart is. There's a, a thin spot in his scales. There's, there, there's, a, there's a missing piece of his armor and it's right around the heart of smog. And so one archer has one arrow left and in desperation as smog is destroying the city, he lets loose one arrow and it hits that spot and destroys smog. This is a question about your heart. This is a question about your heart and generosity. It can change your heart. One of the things Jesus said is this, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so in order for us to slay the dragon, we need to find that thin spot in the armor. And the, and the arrow that we sling is the, the arrow of generosity. The arrow of generosity that it is truly better to give than it is to receive. And, and I, I just wanna spend a few minutes giving you some really tangible examples of this. Around here, we talk about this as uncommon generosity. Uncommon generosity. Let me give you a couple examples. One of the things I love, you'll see this this Christmas. We've done this years and years and years. Um, we do this Advent conspiracy. It's just so cool, you guys. And what we do for um, basically the whole month leading up to Christmas is that we gather a special offering, Right? And this offering goes 100% to the community and to the world beyond. Things like uh, Elevate Orphan over in Ethiopia, things like the warming shelter, uh, our food bank. Uh, I've gotten to walk in with these, with these checks to these folks and just tears streaming down their eyes because of what you have done. Uncommon generosity. It's, it's not that big of a deal, honestly, for us to raise over $100,000 here at Journey on Christmas. We've done it multiple times. We just raise 100 grand and they just give it all away in this thing called Advent Conspiracy. Let me give you a couple more examples of things you can do in terms of generosity. I think you should become a generosity rock star, okay? Um, I became a generosity rock star about two years ago. And, and let, me, let me tell you a little bit more about this. You hear about this on the weekends, but 
but it seems silly. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like even when I heard it originally, I was, I thought it was silly. And we did this thing that was really silly where there was leather pants and a lot of hair and don't look it up, please. Um, or do. <laughs> okay. It was awesome. Um, and we just said to folks, Hey, we want you to become a generosity rock star. We know that's funny. It's a weird saying, but here's what we want you to do. We want you to we want you to go out there and have a conversation. You'll walk out there in the lobby, you'll see it, right? Or online, you can just do the QR code and you can connect with Generosity Rockstar as well. And what it means is you become a recurring giver. Now, I thought when I signed up for this, this is silly, but then I also thought about Netflix. <laughs> right? I also thought about Hulu. I also thought about all the other subscriptions that I have, and I'm like, I love those, <laughs> right? Where your treasure is, your heart is there also. And so I, I signed up for it. And I signed up for it for two things. One, I signed up just for a regular giving. So this morning, like about 6 a.m., it's always when I'm about to come here, uh, this email pops up and it just says, thank you for your donation to Journey Church. And I know all the insides and outs of this. Like I know that that money is gonna go for the community, it's gonna go for the use of this commons, it's gonna go for the use of people to further the kingdom of God, I know that. And every Sunday morning, I get a notification on my phone that tells me I have given to that. And I can just tell you something, it has not made my heart smaller. It just hasn't. It's made my heart bigger toward the church. And then I signed up for this thing, the everyone initiative. So, so we're building 22,000 square feet next to this building, right next to the kids' space, uh, for the next generation, for families, a four-season indoor playground, a coffee shop, a whole new wing, because we have like a small school down there on the weekend. You should pray for those volunteers and probably volunteer, okay? That, we're not, that's a different sermon, but you know, you should probably help out down there, okay? So 22,000 square feet and, and some of you don't know all the ins and outs of this. We would love to chat with you, especially if you don't know anything about it and you want to hear more about it. But the Everyone Initiative isn't just going to make an impact for our kids. It's going to make an impact for families and kids for generation after generation around us. We're going to be surrounded. I know some of you don't want to hear this, but we're going to be surrounded by houses at some point. Okay? It's going to happen. And there will be families in all of those homes and they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And they're coming in droves to Bozeman. And that maybe causes you to go, man, ah, that stinks. Bozeman won't be the same. And I go, yes, but what if that is the greatest opportunity God has given to us as a church? What if, what if the opportunity is that God has said, hey, leverage everything that you have so that they may know Jesus? What if this place would be a hub for the next generation to embrace faith. That's the Everyone Initiative. So I, here, here's what I do. I have two emails that pop up. One for my donation to Journey and one for my donation to the Everyone Initiative because I made a three-year commitment and I'm gonna fulfill that commitment that I am going to give toward that. And I wanna push you a little bit because I know some things, okay? And this maybe make you uncomfortable. I, I'm like off staff at the end of this month, Bob. So, you know, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> making Bob real nervous right now. Okay. I've seen the books, you guys. Like, and I haven't seen them so that I like get to look at you and be like, oh, judgy, judgy, judgy. But like, 
we're not as generous as you think we are. And that hurts me, like sincerely. I mean, there are few of you that couldn't give 10% every year. Now, I know there's some of you that can't. I get it. Give 1%. Give five bucks. A week. I don't care. My son signed up for the Everyone Initiative. Five bucks a week. He's out giving a lot of you. Okay? Like, he's on, a, he's on another list, too. And his heart is enlarged for this. And I just want to, I want to step into this. I don't want to sidestep this. I want to challenge us on this. Because here's why. Here's why. This has nothing to do with generosity rock star, everyone initiative, our budget. Like, okay, you want something else? Go give to Love Inc. That doesn't help us. I don't, do that, right? Go give to Charlie Carpenter. Okay, I'll give another church. Go help venture, okay? They got this amazing uh, ministry called Greater Impact. Go help them. I'm telling you, this isn't about us. This is about you. This is about your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. God requires nothing of you. Jesus requires nothing of you. He gave himself for you. He sacrificed himself fully for you. He withheld nothing from you that you might respond with all of yourself. It requires nothing, but it asks everything. And see what will happen. It will change your heart. This is what God wants. He wants you to slay the dragon. And he wants your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, pray that you would make this about so much more than money for us. I pray that for me and I pray that for everybody listening right now. God, you know the things that cling in our hearts. You know what we hold on to. You know, you know the thoughts in our minds right now, the motives in our hearts, the pursuits that we have. And you love us in spite of that. You compel us to respond. You withhold nothing. So God, I pray that you would change our hearts. I pray that you'd change my heart. Change my heart, soften it up. I pray that you'd remove that dragon. I pray that greed would diminish and diminish and diminish so that my life is more about giving every single day than receiving. Jesus, I, I pray that this would become almost a flame, a fire within our church and beyond the walls of this church and the other churches in the valley and, and that we would be a generous people because you are a generous God. God, we give you our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.